Today, I want to just share with you from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1 through 16, um, and the importance of trusting in God. Uh, truly, if uh, above everything else, I believe that trusting God in the midst of all that we go through is imperative for us as believers. Uh, no matter what may come, when our trust is solid, our foundation is solid. Before a person ever builds a house, we see uh, long before the walls are erected, before windows are installed or a roof is on place, there's a process that's even more important than all of those things, and it's the foundation. Show that picture there, Andrea. This foundation, this is uh, what we would commonly see around this area. In Texas, it would be a concrete slab, but around here, this is what we'd look at and, uh, if we were going to build a house. And Some of you have gone through the house building process, and you know that uh, prior to giving, getting this to happen, there's other things that have to happen. You have to contact an architect. The architect has to design the plans. The, the architect works with an engineer to make sure that the foundation is solid. Sometimes they have a soil test. And that soil test is to make sure that the, that the soil is good enough to build a foundation or how deep that foundation needs to go so that it would be on solid, uh, solid soil. Or, and sometimes they, the soil is so bad that they drill all the way down to bedrock. And so all of these things are important, but the, even before the, uh, after the engineer and after the architect get done, then you still have machinery that has to come in, and they have to prepare the pad. And, and sometimes you see uh, guys with, uh, with uh, paperwork and specs, and, and they, they take it to the, the county, and the county has to get their hands involved, and they want to make sure that the codes are right and everything looks good. And so there's a long process that goes into getting even to this point right here, and, and all of this takes place before a building can even begin to take shape. Before we ever see the walls or the doors or, or anything else, before we even recognize it as a building, there's a lot that goes in. Many people will look at uh, the building process and they'll say, man, let's just get this building underway. Let's get started already. What in the world's taking so long? I know Pastor Tolbert uh, many times shared with me how it would take five years from the point where he started talking about building before we finally got to break ground. Uh, and there's a long process of everything. But listen, a builder knows there's of this important truth. A structure without a firm foundation is useless. Look at this next picture. This is from Sandy Hook. Right after Sandy Hook, this house, whole house started falling into the ground. Obviously, not a house that had a good, solid foundation. And as we consider that, there's a, the truth is similar in our own lives. As a Christian, without a solid foundation uh, to, in our life, then we'll find that eventually everything crumbles. Our faith in God crumbles. Our, uh, our faithfulness to God crumbles. Alaska and California are two states in the Union that have really experienced more earthquakes than any other place. Uh, building codes have been put into place to make sure that in the event of an earthquake, the buildings will remain solid. And so, uh, as a result, it's very expensive to build in Alaska and California to the codes. But the first earthquake that you experience, you're grateful for the codes. You're grateful that you were, had to build to, uh, to your building to these codes. And let me just encourage you, challenges and tests in our lives are like earthquakes. They can shake us to our core. They have the potential to destroy us. They also, though, they reveal the strength of our spiritual foundation. Man, what a blessing it is when we can see that even though the, the earthquakes of life may come, that we can stand sure upon the Lord. 1 Kings 17 gives us an example of two people, a prophet and a widow. Two people who both trusted God during one of the most difficult times in their life. 
In this lesson, we learn how we can build trust in our lives. Also, we also uh, can see how that God desires for us to walk with Him through each of these things and just truly to trust Him. Israel had forgotten the ways of God. Ahab and Jezebel were the rulers of Israel, and they had no interest in God's laws. They had no interest in the, in the consequences that would befall Israel by rejecting the God's laws. And let me tell you, today in our society, we see some of the same philosophies. We see some of the same ideas that we don't need God, we can do it all on our own. And let me just encourage you tonight, because uh, through this flagrant rejection of God, we can also find a sure foundation on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Look with me, keep your finger in 1 Kings 17, we're going to get to that in a second, but I want to just look at with Deuteronomy chapter 11, verses 13 through 17 together. Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 17. God sent Elijah to proclaim his judgments, and really, God years earlier had already proclaimed this, and so before we ever get into the story, I want to just remind you of what God had said in Deuteronomy 11. It says, and it, and it shall come to pass... If ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in His due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil, and I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, and that thou mayest eat and be full. Take heed to yourselves that your heart be not, what is that word, church? Deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath was kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, and that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord give you. This was God's warning to the people of Israel. And listen, at this time in their history, they had been deceived. Let's look at our text together. 1 Kings 17, verses 1. Uh, we're going to read through verses 1 through 16 to get the context of it here together. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And, as, and, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two six, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, 
which he spake by Elijah. Let's stop and pray and thank God for, for his word tonight. Father, we just want to say thank you for, uh, for the reading of the word. Thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to, to gather, to open, to be encouraged by your, the truth of the word of God. And tonight we pray that through this uh, very vivid uh, account in your scripture of how two people learn to trust in you, I pray that, Lord, in our today, Lord, and where we're living right now, that we would truly have a desire to trust you. Lord, through the, the ups and downs, through the ins and outs, through all the different things that we face, Father, that our faith in you would be strengthened uh, by uh, what you're at, uh, doing in our lives. And so, Father, let me just thank you for, for loving us. Bless now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As we look here, we see uh, really some, some bad news. Uh, if you look at Elijah's life and what God's called him to do, in 1 Kings 17, 1, we see where uh, he was uh, the bearer of very bad news. If you're a farmer tonight or, or a rancher, you know the, the uh, catastrophic event that is called a drought is very real. At any year, any season, we could experience a drought. This year could be a drought. Though it started wet, it could be, wind up being very, one of the driest years ever. We don't know. And Elijah, as he was uh, commanded of the Lord, stood and he said, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word, in verse number 1. I can guarantee you that he was not the most popular person in all of, the, in all of Israel at this moment. He was not someone that people said, Oh, I can't wait for my little Johnny to grow up and be like Elijah. Uh, you know, they, they didn't say those things. Instead, that they were probably pretty bitter and angry uh, for, for him saying such things. But listen, God sent this drought into the land. And as we can imagine, this became a season of incredible testing in Elijah's life and also in the widow's life. They went through times of extreme difficulty. And listen, the responses proved that their foundation was in the Lord. Let's look first off at the trust of Elijah tonight. Elijah preached the word of the Lord to Ahab. He wasn't afraid, was he? Elijah was, I mean, he was just one of those old prophets that got up and stood up and he preached the Word of God and he was able to just pinpoint exactly what's going on in Elijah's life and Jezebel's life. And, and as a result, they hated Elijah. If you look later in, in 1 Kings 17, uh, we see the, where Ahab was actually seeking to destroy uh, Elijah's life. Look at verses 2 through 5 with me again. We'll see that the Word of the Lord came to him. And he said to uh, he said, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith. And so God is calling Elijah, really, to trust him through this season. So Elijah has proclaimed a, a drought, and didn't put an end time on it. We know that it does last about three and a half years. Could you imagine three and a half years in the Ozarks with no rain? This would be one barren land. Uh, trees that would have lasted for, through many droughts would, would shrivel up and die. Three and a half years they endured this drought. But here at the beginning, God led Elijah to the brook of Cherith. Now, what's at the brook of Cherith? There's not much there but some old birds. And they're not even the clean birds. This is what gets me about this story every time I go through and I read this account, is that God sent ravens. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with ravens, but they're not an especially clean bird. It's not, it's not a bird that I would want to eat after. Can I get a witness? Anybody understand what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, you have a cute little puppy that comes up and he licks you in the mouth and you say, ooh, I don't know where that thing has been. But listen, ravens are especially nasty. They eat carrion. They eat all kinds of whatever they can find to put in their, their mouth. They eat this stuff. And it is a nasty bird. And God says, I'm going to feed you with the crows. I'm going to feed you with the ravens. Man, that's not my uh, idea of a, of a good meal. It's worse than some of the stuff you can eat in Africa, Pastor. 
And so in my mind, I'm thinking, man, you've got to really trust God. It's like having the missionary prayer every time you sit down to eat. God, I'll put it down if you keep it down. You know what I mean? And so every time they sit down to eat, God, God, God takes care of him. And through all of this, we see that the trust of Elijah really grows. And God prepares and, and works in his life. His obedience was truth, uh, was proof of his trust to God. And so let's look first. He called him to go to Cherith in letter A. Verse number 3 says, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is, in, that is before Jordan. Sometimes we don't always understand why God sends us where he sends us. Sometimes we don't always understand, you know, Lord... Many times, there, there's been times God has led me in a, in a direction, and I think, God, you know, I, I don't know if you know what you're doing here, but I think I know a little better. And let me tell you something, that was always the foolish thought. Verses 5 and 6 remind us that he did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before uh, Jordan. And we see where the ravens took care, uh, brought him bread, and there was flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank the brook. We see where God provides. I love this quote. It says, where God guides, God always provides. Listen, we don't always have to understand where God is leading, but we can trust him. We don't always have to understand why he leads us through this journey of cancer. We don't always have to understand why God is leading through this financial hardship. We don't have to always understand why God is leading us through the teenage years with our children. Can I get an Amen. Every day, my son gets a little closer to that precipice. And I keep thinking, I'm going to push him. <laughs> Just kidding. But, you know, and we think about those teenage years, and, and there's, there's, there's parents on both sides that say it's the worst thing that's ever happened, and there's parents that say it's the most wonderful thing that ever happened. And no matter where you stand on the fence, we would all agree that it is a weird time for our children. And, you know, as we think about this, I'm reminded as God guides us through this journey, no matter what this journey may be, God provides. We can trust Him. Trust Him with our teenagers. Trust Him with our, our uh, children. Trust Him with our finances. Trust Him with our health. God is faithful. Every step of the way, isn't He? Elijah, if, imagine if he hadn't trusted God's direction. Imagine if he, he'd have said, you know, God, there's nothing in Cherith. I just proclaimed a drought. That little brook is going to dry up. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm not going there. I'm going someplace where there's a lot of water. I'm going someplace where I can get some food. Uh, you know, but instead, we see that he obeys God. He would have totally missed out on seeing God providing for him. You know, and, and so it is with us. Sometimes our tendency is to run contrary to trust, especially with God. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, sometimes God calls us to do something, and we have to analyze our options and discern, okay, is this exactly what God wants for us? You know, is this exactly, uh, can we make this budget right? You know, God, you're leading me to give to Faith Promise Missions, but, you know, it's not working in the budget right now, uh, so maybe we'll do it next year. You know, or, or whatever it may be. We just sometimes, we like to analyze and, and say, okay, God, are you thinking right here? Far too many Christians miss out, though, when they analyze and don't trust they miss out on experiencing God doing miraculous things in their life. When we just trust God and we say, okay, God, this direction, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you, it's amazing what God can do. I'm going to remind you of some scriptures tonight. Uh, God promises to guide those who are willing to trust Him. And so let's look at some of these scriptures that remind us of this. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is some of is my wife's favorite verses. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Read it out loud with me. And lean not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Isn't that true? We're grateful that God leads. Or Psalms 18 and verse number 30. As for God, his way is what? 
perfect. The, way, the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to those that trust in Him. Listen, His way is perfect. We can trust God through whatever journey He takes us on, wherever direction He leads us, whatever it is that He's calling us to walk by faith and not by sight. When God is calling and we're willing to say, God, I'm going to follow you, we can trust that His way is perfect, even if we don't understand it. So listen, our growth also in the Lord is based on faith. And that's why it's important for us to recognize that we can trust Him tonight because as we walk by faith, we see God doing amazing things in our life. Look at Romans 14, 23, because He reminds us of faith here. Romans 14, 23, it says, And he that doubted, doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Listen to Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 6, just as... Just as a, a, just to reemphasize this, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Man, what an encouraging thing it is tonight to be reminded that when we come to the Lord in faith, and we just trust the Lord, our faith gets to grow. Trust in God is a lifelong journey. It's not something that, okay... I'm going to come to the altar today and I'm just going to start trusting God. That's a good place to start. Amen? But then tomorrow morning when you get up, guess what you have to do? You have to surrender again. God, I don't know where you're going to leave me today, but I'm going to trust you with it. And I'm, again, I'm going to leave it at the altar by my bedside. You know, no matter where it may be, it's a lifelong journey and a lifelong privilege to be able to say every day, God, I'm going to trust you. Growing in our Christian walk will truly require us to constantly surrender our, to follow God's direction in our life. Constantly, daily, on a daily basis. And the moment we reject it, we begin to digress in our Christian walk. Instead of going forward, we're going backwards. Instead of marching on, as our song was this evening, we're retreating backwards. And let me just remind you that daily, God is calling us to surrender. Surrender to, to trust God. Surrender to put your faith in Him. Surrender you know, to, tomorrow with your job, tomorrow with your family. Tomorrow, every day, we must continue to trust Him even when He directs us to places like Cherith. Places that seem unlikely, or, excuse me, and un insignificant. Places like that, that seem that it doesn't matter. Listen, Cherith became Elijah's haven of rest. Cherith became Elijah's haven of protection from King Ahab. God knew what He was doing. And just as Elijah could trust God in Cherith, so can we. The second thing we see was He had to trust God to go to Seraphath. Now, we think about Seraphath, and, and first, uh, first Kings 17, 9 through 10 talks about this a, a little bit. And it says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Let me just time out real quick. Um, th this goes contrary to cultural uh, means at this point. This is not something that would be normally acceptable. Once, this is a widow woman, uh, and, and this, this woman had no means to sustain him. She was barely subsisting, subsisting on her own. And so as we, we look at this, we see that in the next verse, the widow woman was gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Let me teach you a little bit about Zarephath. It was a Mediterranean town. I think we've got a map there. Yep, at the very top right uh, or uh, left side, right on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea, I'm sorry, it is so small, uh, is Zarephath. And I don't have a pointer. Uh, but way up there... Uh, and so God directed him way up there to Zarephath, 
Zarephath was not the logical choice. It, it was outside of the, uh, the realm, but listen, it was also a place that uh, was the hometown of Jezebel's father. But you know what its main name meant? I found this in interesting, smelting or refining. God took Elijah to, to Zarephath to refine him as gold tried in a furnace. Listen, sometimes God sends us to Zarephath to be refined, doesn't He? Amen. This would be similar if God was to call you into a, a city, a, into the heart of a terrorist city today. And right into the midst of where uh, people desire your destruction, if God was to call you there, this is the equivalent of where God was sending Elijah. But listen, he obeyed. He said, all right, God, he didn't see that he didn't, we don't see an argument, we don't see him saying, well, God, it doesn't make much sense. Instead, he just got up and he went. And he sent him to a, an unlikely widow. Can you can imagine a, a widow? Uh, there, there was no, there was no uh, uh, wick, there was no food stamps, there was nothing to, su- to support a widow. And, instead, she relied on uh, her children, typically, to support her. But listen, her children were still relying on her. And so we see that she was gathering sticks because she felt like the end of her life was right there. She had nothing left. There was nothing more to give out. She was just a poor widow woman, and and God expected her to feed him. Listen, it doesn't make sense sometimes where God sends us. It doesn't make sense sometimes where where God leads us, but we can always trust God. And it's easy to see why Elijah could trust God, right? Because we know the end of the story. We know that God provided for Elijah. We know that God was there for the widow woman. We know that, that, that these things, that God took care of this each step of the way. But how about in our life? We don't always know the end of the story, do we? We don't always know how God is going to work out this, uh, this health issue. We don't always know how God is going to work out, you know, okay, God, you command me to tithe, so I'm going to start tithing, but Lord, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. We don't always know how that's going to work out. And so God calls us instead just to trust Him through it. But as we see the story unfold, we see that God was not only taking care of Elijah, He was also taking care of a widow and her son. We see that God was taking the situation where he was at and he was using it uh, and Elijah's faith to help this widow woman and help her to have faith in God. Look at some of these scriptures with me. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse number 8. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, or your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. He says, For I know the thoughts that I think, think toward you, saith the Lord, Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. God knows what's going on. God knows the situation you're in. And I love Luke chapter 12, verse 27 and, and through 31. It says, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They tool not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is in the field, uh, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be, doubtful of, uh, be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Elijah's test was severe. It was a time of testing, but listen, his, his trust in God grew exponentially through this. And when we walk through a test that seems severe, let me just remind you that God is growing your faith through it, and we can trust Him. 
Let's look not only at the test of Elijah, but the test of the widow here. Because I think it's important for, we to see, for us to see what she was going through as well. And you can imagine being a widow in this era, uh, how difficult it was to support a child. And really, I have no words to describe the hardships that she faced. This was a time of drought. People were pulling back. Uh, they, they weren't giving out. They were, they were trying to hoard for their own selves. They weren't saying, oh, we have a little extra. Let's take it down to the widow. Uh, there wasn't any of those things. But instead it was, we've got to take care of our family so they don't die. And so this, this widow woman was on the back burner of society. She wasn't taken care of. She wasn't cared for. She had no way to, to earn a living. And, and yet through all of this testing, we see that she trusted God even in the most simple things. Let's look at our scriptures together. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. Look in your Bible with me. It says, So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel. And in a little, uh, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Could you imagine being Elijah? God sends her. God sends him to Zarephath and says, "One, go to Zarephath, where obviously it's like sticking your head into the mouth of a lion." One, but secondly, he says, "And I'm going to send you to a widow woman in the midst of a drought, who has no money, who has a child she has to take care of." And she has no food for her own self, but I'm going to send you to her. And, and, and Elijah, can you imagine Elijah then sitting, sitting there, and he meets the widow woman, and he says, hey, go make me a cake. And she says, I've got a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil, and I'm gathering some sticks so we can eat the, our last meal, basically. Can you imagine what that would make him feel like? And then he turns around and says, just do what I tell you to do. Trust the Lord. Let's look at where she lived. Zarephath was a pagan city. We talked about it, showed you it on the map. But listen, they were a city that worshipped Baal. And this, any follower of Jehovah God would not have fit in at all. Sometimes uh, we drove once through, uh, through Las Vegas. And we didn't stop, but, but I just, the whole time we were driving on the outskirts of that on the highway, I just felt the unease as a Christian, as a believer. And, you know, some people visit Vegas, they don't have a problem, uh, you know. Uh, but as I went through that town, I just felt so, uh, un, such an un, unease as I drove through that town. And I told Kristen, I said, I, I can literally feel the presence of evil in this place. I can tell you what I wanted to do. I wanted to put the, the pedal to the metal, if you will. I wanted to get out of that town. I, I had no desire to be there. there, there you could sense the oppression that was there. From, from all that was going on. And this widow woman, no doubt, though she lived here, experienced the same unease as a believer. Consider some biblical examples with me. God, throughout the Scripture, has used people in unlikely environments to carry out His ways. Joseph. Think about Joseph. Joseph was a son of Abraham and truly uh, a son that, uh, that he thought was going to be uh, just a fantastic uh, young man, and, and uh, we think about Joseph's life. He became a slave in Egypt, and there in Egypt, God chose to use that land to bring him to a place of great esteem. Or maybe the birthplace of Christ, Bethlehem. What was Bethlehem? We sing, O little town of Bethlehem. It was a town of insignificance. 
It was anything special. It wasn't the, the birthplace of kings, but it was the birthplace of the king of kings. Or how about the apostle Paul? Imprisoned so many times, and yet uh, he recognized that the gospel was being spread throughout his imprisonment. He spent a lot of his time in his ministry in, the, in prison. And through all of these things, we recognize that it doesn't matter the location where God has you, because right now God's calling you to shine where you're at. God's calling you, no matter where, where, where it is that you, you find yourself, or wherever God leads you, God can use you right where you're at. This widow woman lived in, among Baal worshipers. And listen, we don't live among Baal worshipers, but we live in some uh, pretty rowdy areas sometimes. And when we live there, God gives us the opportunity to be a great witness. Grateful for the Tross Clares. They have such a burden for their community. I, I talked with her Sunday, and, and she just says, God reminded me again uh, of the burden for my neighbors that need Jesus Christ. Everyone complains about them. But listen, I want to carry the gospel to them. Y'all pray with the Tross Clares for their neighbors. Right here in Bodark, they need the gospel. They need the salvation that only Jesus Christ provides. So we see that, uh, that the place where she was was not a, a necessarily a place that would say, oh, this is a place where she could just abound and abound and abound, but instead it was a place where it could be a great place of great oppression. We also see her resources. She didn't have much. She didn't have enough, enough at all. And sometimes we ask, what could God do with such meager resources? What could God do with such meager elements? And, and I'm just reminded that God does, God's ability is not dependent upon what we have. Consider with me, if you will, John chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. John 6, verses 8 through 13. Look there in your Bibles with me. I think you'll enjoy reading it along with me. It says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in the number about 500 or 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Listen, God takes our, our meager offerings sometimes and He can multiply it to do amazing things. And we think, Lord, how in the world can you use just this little bit? But we never know what God's going to do with that. We never know what, what God's going to do with that one talent or that one ability or that one, uh, that one uh, offering that, that we give. We, all we know is that when we give God our all, He is never limited by our meager, meager resources. Man, let's just simply trust God and give all we have to Him. Listen, listen to her reasoning. Her reasoning was a little bit flawed in this regard because of two things. First off, her reasoning was without faith. She didn't trust God, and perhaps it, perhaps it was because she was tired. Maybe it was because she was, she was weary of the struggle of just daily trying to keep herself and her child alive. Maybe it was, it was just because she was distracted in that pagan city. I don't know, but, but for some reason, she, she, all she said was, she says, I'm, a, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. She wasn't thinking about God intervening. She wasn't thinking, she wasn't reasoning uh, with vision, but instead she was, she was visionless and not trusting God through this. Again, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 reminds us that we trust in God. Each of us will experience our human nature pulling us away from trusting God. 
Each of us is going to experience that human nature that tries to pull us away from what God wants. But, but when Elijah proposed a better way, the, this dear lady said, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to obey out of reason. I'm not going to obey because, uh, because I have to. God, I want to obey you because I want to. The Bible tells us that, while we, uh, that our way may seem right, truly, our way doesn't always lead to a, a good end. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that se- which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I love this. Uh, someone said this, A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Let me just encourage you, because if you have ever put your faith in Christ, for any reason, your faith will be tested. Whether it be for salvation or whether it be just for for walking through a journey or trial, let me remind you that God is going to uh, let your faith be tested and because a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. We can trust God, church. We can trust Him because we know our faith can be tested. And when we go through the trials together, we find that God is faithful. Listen, it's only when the storms of life arise that we really know if our trust is in the Word, in Word only, or if it's real. Let God test your heart. Let God test your faith. Let God test your life. And let Him prove that He is able. Because we see tonight the last thing, the triumph of faith. In verses 13 through 16, we see that God answered. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, and make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it to me, and after the make for thee and thy son. Listen, he says, trust God first. Trust above everything else. And, and, and just watch God show up and do an amazing thing. And, listen, and, I, and I believe that God wants us as a church. Let's trust God first. Wherever He leads, he's, He will provide. Wherever He, he is going to take us down, whatever, uh, whatever direction He wants us to go, God's going to take care of that. And if we will just say, Lord, we walk by faith and not by sight. Missionaries, when they go on the, on the, to the field, they don't always know, how is this church going to be established? How is this work going to be uh, worked out? How, is this, how are we going to see souls saved? How are we going to find a place to live sometimes when they get on the field? And all they know is, God, you've led me here, and, you, and, and I know that when you lead me here, I'm going to take that first step of faith. And when I take that step of faith, you're going to be right there with me. We can trust him. So let's look at the request for the, from the prophet together. Elijah not only uh, uh, requested provision, but he also requested his first. Notice that he says, go and do what you said. Go make your cake, but listen, first make mine. Before you, before you take care of yourself, obey God. Man, I don't know about you, but that, that could be, she was looking at her last meal. Her very last thing, and, and sometimes when, he, when we look at, uh, this to me is a, an incredible lesson on really trusting God with some of the most important things in our life. We, we don't worry too much uh, about food in our society. We've been really blessed. But there are times, we have families sometimes that struggle. But I think in this passage there is a sub-theme that, that God is speaking of in, in our hearts, and that's this issue of tithing and giving. Listen, God said He wants our first fruits. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Notice that this followed Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Listen, getting to trust God, even in something simple, with just our first fruits and saying, God, I'm going to make sure that, that you get what, you, uh, have, what, what really belongs to you first. 
Before I ever take mine, I want to give yours first. I was uh, heard about a preacher who didn't believe that he was required to do the same. Well, that's, that's discouraging when a preacher won't even do that. Listen, this is not just for, for, uh, for you, but it's for me as well. Each of us, God calls us to make sure that we give of our first fruits first. To say, okay, God, I'm going to make sure that you come first before everything else. Before, before I pay for my house payment, before I do uh, car payments, before I do any of those things. I'm going to make sure that I give to you first. You are priority number one in everything else. I love what Malachi 3.10 reminds us. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. Prove me. He says, test me. Try me. See if this really happens, he says, if I will not open, to, open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Amen. Let me encourage you tonight. If you've been given to the Lord, you can testify with me that God is faithful. Amen. Kristen and I moved to Springfield, and before we uh, joined a church, um, actually, we just joined Hillside, September of 2001. And as we joined Hillside, I, I remember... I went from a salary of making about $1,000 a week down in Texas to $180 a week uh, here in Springfield. And, you know, that's not much money. Uh, even in 2001, that wasn't much money. And we, we wanted to pay for our school bill and just pay it one, one step at a time. Every, you know, we wanted to make sure we didn't go into debt. And so as we, we went through this first semester, it was tough. Uh, I, I remember uh, enjoying, I, I enjoy Raymond noodles anyway. Anybody else like Raymond noodles? My wife got to where she hates ramen noodles after that semester. But one thing that we committed to, we committed in Texas to give to Faith Promise Missions. We committed in Texas, or before even that, we had a conviction about tithing. And we said, we're not going to quit on our Faith Promise Missions, and we're not going to stop tithing. Now, when our Faith Promise Missions commitment came up for renewal, mind you, it wasn't the same amount. It dropped substantially because of our level of income had dropped but we wanted to be faithful to God. And listen, there was never a day where I went hungry. There was never a day where we went without and all of our bills were paid. And we'd sit down and we'd say, okay, we're going to do a budget together this month. And we'd sit down at the kitchen table and we'd, we'd sit there and we'd say, all right, we're going to do this budget together. And we'd put our, all of our expenses in one column and all of our income in another column. And we'd tally it all up and we'd say, we don't know how it's going to work, but God, we know it's going to work because we're faithful to you. You know, we're, we're going to be faithful to you first and foremost. And so we'd write out that tithe check and that missions check, and we'd say, this is first above everything else. And we wrote that out, and then we'd take care of the other bills. And by the end of the month, everything was paid for. We even had groceries in the pantry. God was so faithful during that time, and He still is today. Listen, the same God that Elijah served is the same God we served this morning and this, this evening. And I'm just, I'm just I'm so encouraged by the truth that God calls us to trust Him. This widow's response was just immediate. She, she said, all right, Lord, if that's what you want, that's what she does. And so she obeyed. She didn't argue. She didn't say, well, you know, maybe if I give 5%. It's just the first fruits, right? And so she didn't argue with that. She just said, all right, God, I'm going to take, take care of you first. And so uh, I'm reminded that God is faithful. Job 6, 36 and verse 15, it says, He delivered the poor in his affliction and opened their ears in oppression. God is faithful in all of these situations. And it's at this crossroads where truly the widow triumphed by faith. She saw God do an amazing thing in her life. 
Although her barrel was nearly empty, it never emptied until God was ready for it to. For days, upon weeks, upon months, maybe over, maybe a year, uh, we see where she'd get down in that barrel and she'd get down to the bottom and she'd scoop a little out each day and she'd make that next cake. And she'd say, I don't know if there's enough for tomorrow. And, and she just trusted God each time. And I, I'm, I'm reminded of Proverbs or Psalms 37. I have been old, or excuse me, I've been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaking, nor said, seed begging bread. God supplies the resources we need. God is faithful. And we saw that throughout Elijah's life, throughout her life, that God was faithful. And though the people around them were being judged with a drought, God took care of this woman. God took care of Elijah because of their faith in him. Tonight, is your faith being tested? Are you going through a time where God is trying to prove to you that His promises are true and that He is trustworthy? Let me remind you of a couple of scriptures in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Or how about Philippians 4.19? And I'm reminded that Philippians 4.19 is in the context of giving. He says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, when, when Paul wrote that, he's writing that to a church that was a faithful giver. He's writing that to a time and, and where he was talking about people who had given faithfully to his ministry. And he's reminding that God is going to be faithful to us as we've been faithful to Him. Are you faithful? Are you going through that time where you just need God's reminder in your life? He is faithful. Because no doubt the storms of life will come. The Sandy Hooks, that Hurricane Sandy Hook or whatever it was that came through and destroyed that house we looked at early in the message, let me remind you that those things will come in life. And you're going to feel the building shake. And you're going to feel the, the, the walls tremble. But if your house is built on a solid foundation, we don't have to worry.